on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Job Dean Cox again, this time he's in! At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equaliser for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orient from each end Good evening everybody and welcome to the Orient Hour. My name is Billy Herring and I'm joined tonight by Rich Priest. Rich, how are you? Good, thank you mate. And we've got Tony Smith. Tony, you alright? Evening Billy. Lovely. And Simon Cooper. Hello Billy, alright mate? All good, all good. Simon, our first show together, how are we doing? It's always nice meeting someone live on air. That's it, that's it, yeah. There's no pressure or anything like that. Fantastic. Right, ladies and gentlemen, so we're going to talk tonight about the Doncaster game. We're going to have a little bit of a conversation about the transfer window or lack of, shall we say. Um, we want to have a little bit of a chat about uh, our youth team and uh, some interesting things we read in the news this week. And we'll give you a Barrow preview for Saturday's game as well. So we'll go straight into it then. So uh, the game at Doncaster, so the game at O's against Doncaster on Saturday, we lined up 4 3 3 with Vigaru in goal. And at the back, we had Hunt, Brown, Thompson, and James, with uh, Jordan Brown playing centre half and Tomo uh, starting as well. Uh, El Mazzuni, Prattley, Moncur in the midfield. Archibald, Drynan and Smith playing up front. So, um, I'm coming to you first, Simon. Um, what did you make of the starting lineup? Were you surprised to see Jordan Brown at centre-half? I, I was. Yeah, I think I was not surprised with the personnel. I thought Brown might be in midfield and Prattley at centre-back. Um, so, that was a slight surprise. Um, having said that, I, yeah, and I was a little bit sceptical whether Brown could do it because I seen him all season I couldn't remember how tall he was <laughs> and so I didn't know if he was going to be able to do a centre half job but turns out he did a, I mean we could talk about Brown a little bit more in detail I'm sure but he did a very good job didn't he yeah I mean as you say we'll, as, as the, we'll, we'll discuss Brown's performance later on but certainly yeah he was my round of the match yeah. um, Tony coming across to yourself yeah um, obviously the uh, the people who came in did well I mean Tomo the thing I'll point out about him is he came in after not playing for a hell of a lot of months as a right-footed player came and played on the left side. Now, whether he volunteered to do that or whether he had his arm twisted to do that, we'll never know because we're not in the changing room. But um, that is difficult to do that. You know, you'd rather you'd rather play on your natural side and he was able to do that having not played for a while. So he was like, you know, I agree that you know, Brown was a standout player, but you couldn't help admiring Tomo for doing that because it wouldn't have been comfortable. I mean, Bobby Moore could do it, but there's not too many Bobby Moores around, you know, so... 
Rich, what did you make of it when you looked at it? Did you feel, because obviously we, we talked, I mean, I don't know whether you do the same. Me and my friends have talked about various different people playing in different positions. We talked about maybe Craig Clayfield at centre-half, because I'm sure I remember him doing that in the National League at one point when we had a few injuries. Um, obviously, Simon's mentioned Darren Prattley. Um, you know, we've seen Brown play at right-back. Um, I mean, obviously, Tom James has also filled in at centre-half this season. Um, you know, played in a three the other day. Um, what did you make, obviously, you know, of the decision in the first instance? Well, I mean, even Sweeney did it. I think in one of the... Oh, don't, I always forget the name of it, the LDV, whatever it's called now. But um, to be honest, I, th- I think it was the right thing purely because I think Prattley would have been the bigger miss in midfield. So it made sense for me that Prattley stayed in the midfield. And I think then it was just a case of whether, you know, it's Tom James or Hunt one of those there and then maybe Sweeney comes in at left back uh, and the others at right back and you know I thought maybe it'd be that but I wasn't overly surprised I mean it was one of the things that I thought made the most sense when I saw it and you know I'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail but you know it turned out to be a great decision in the end so so um when we think about the first half I've got to be honest chaps um I'm looking down at my notes and there wasn't really that much to talk about if I'm truthful I remember going at half time I turned around to my pals I was like listen um I'll be honest, it was a bit... Boring's the wrong word, because it wasn't boring, because we did all the right stuff, we played some good football, we didn't... We've, listen, we've played a lot, lot worse than that and been winning games. I thought we played, the, played very well, but it was just seemed to be... It was a bit of a non-event in so much that we got into the final third and it was just that final pass, or we looked to make, make an extra pass rather than have a shot or something like that. Uh, Tony? I think that was probably because you had two teams who were basically trying to retain the ball, to be honest. I mean, typically at this level, it's one team willing against one team playing the ball if you're lucky or you've got two teams willing it. So that was, that was a little bit strange to see that happen. I thought Doncaster actually did quite well in the first half, to be, to be fair to them. Probably not um, the fellow next to me was saying, ah, no cutting edge. Well, yeah, if you've got, we've, we've managed to get to the top of the table with not a lot of cutting edge. It's not all down to that. So... That's why it was that way, I think. And obviously the second half, it opened up and um, we enjoyed that because we won. To me, it felt a little bit tense in the first half. And I, I don't know if the players were tense, they probably weren't, but in the, st- in the stands where I was, it did feel tense. There was a bit of tension in the air. There wasn't much atmosphere. Felt it felt a bit flat, didn't it? Did it did feel flat. And I think, I think, I don't know whether it was nervousness or just um, dry January, but it did feel flat in the stands a bit in the first half. Do you think it was maybe because obviously, you know, we've had we've had a couple of nil nils, we've had we've we've had a defeat recently, and you know, look, it's a fantastic season. It's the best season I've seen of the O's since I've been going for you know nearly forty odd years, um, but. I think that almost people didn't want to start getting on players' backs because of how well we're doing. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree, I did sense that. I don't know whether I was nervous because after the first five minutes, I think Brownie made a couple of blocks and what have you. And after that, I was like, Do you know what? I'm not concerned about him playing centre-half now because he just looks comfortable. And as Tony said, you know, up front, they didn't look like they had... They didn't have a particularly physical centre forward. I think if I think if you'd have had a big six foot three, six foot four inch centre forward playing up front, and I think Richie mentions it, it, it might have been a different selection possibly. But I think that Brownie looked comfortable to me, and that made me feel quite relaxed. And I don't know, but I don't know, Rich. What do you think? It just it was odd, wasn't it? First half. Yeah, I mean, they were probably the better team first half, actually. I think they just sort of shaded it without really creating much. I mean, neither keeper, again, as we seem to have had in a lot of our matches over the last, you know, the three games when we hadn't scored, neither keeper made mu- had to do much. Um, 
But I mean, you sit sort of quite near me, and you know, we were talking before about things we were seeing. Richie, I mean, did you know there was an occasion where you know we were losing the ball quite a lot, and you could sense it in the crowd a little bit, you know. And and I don't know if you saw, but he turned around to the fans and he mouthed, "Relax, relax," and just put his arms out. Um, because when he was doing his pieces at Duke McKenna at the end, people were doing it back to him for him because we were one nil up by then, so he didn't need to. But you know, so he, I think he could sense it in the crowd as well. And and again, we'll listen to the interview again. But you know, he, he mentioned in there, didn't he, that he thought he was a bit flat in the first half. But you know, I, I, he's Richie. I mean, I, you know, I bow down to everything he says. But you know, he's smart enough to know that if it's not on the pitch, you can understand why it's not coming off the from the fans or you know off the pitch. So you know, as soon as they up the tempo in the second half. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It was it was. There wasn't too much being created. There wasn't too much being. No one was being tested, and you know, and it says something really. When I, you know, I was looking at it thinking the only player that comes out at first off with any real sort of not credit, but you know, more than a five out of ten was Jordan Brown, who, who was phenomenal the whole game. But I thought, especially in that first half, with he did about three or four blocks, I think, and, and stopped goal bound effort. So you know, he was great. But yeah, it was a very flat first half. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you say there when he did turn around and he did say, and because he did, you're right, he said to the fans, calm down, you know, like, relax, it'll come. And that was, and that was a message, although I said that about five minutes after that, I think uh, Theo gave the ball away about three times in about five minutes and he turned around to Matt Harold and he went, and he may have the words, he went, he's doing my head in today. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think there was that element of that final ball. Um, anyway, so we're going to half-time, nil-nil. Um, now... After just after half time, and this is a talking point that I think I want to, that obviously we want to bring up with the panel. Um, it was on 52 minutes that Satiriu came on for George Mon- for, um, for George Monker. Just before that, Richie went absolutely mad at Monker, like he was screaming at him, Monks, 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 and I think it was Monker wasn't tracking back, whatever it was he was doing, and he immediately turned round, went to Satiriu, you're coming on. And he went to and he turned around and he said he's coming off like that. Now, when me and Richie were talking before the show started, and you know, we said that in August, September, Moncur looked really good, and, and that, that sort of triangle of Moncur, Smith, El Mazzuni looked class, looked a league above. But recently, he looks like he's really struggling, John Moncur. Um, John, John Moncur, his dad. I'm sure his dad is struggling. But George Moncur, his dad might be more mobile. But, um, but yeah, George Moncur looks like he's really struggling at the moment. Um, Tony? I thought, because I was over in the East End, obviously I wasn't privy to um, a lot of the stuff that's been shattered over there near the bench. I thought he'd been sent on to go and play up front with Drillham. That's what he looked like. And I, I just said to the fellow next to me, oh, oh this is 4-4-2, I can work that out. But from what you said, I mean... that. Obviously, if he wants someone to play up front, he stuck Satirio on. And then it was... That, although I noticed with Satirio that Prattley had a little chat at him for, not, for tackling back too much at one point in the second half and saying, yeah, go up front, we need a goal sort of thing. So that's what it looked like from my side. But obviously, I wasn't privy to the... Uh, um, well, I, can, I can remember when I used to sit over, I sat over in the West End last year and I can remember Richie Wellens doing that in the Rochdale game, which is like the first, it was the first league match when... You know, we were 19 points low, 19 places low in the table, rather. And he was doing that then when it was one all. So um, it worked then. We won that game. It won, we, won, we won Saturday. So carry on. Carry on, Richie. Carry on. Oh, I would say that Moncur is like a, he's a walking advert for not having your wisdom teeth out. Because, I mean, since he's had that off, he's been off the pace completely. I mean, you would think having your teeth out could have that much effect on... I mean, I, I wouldn't say he looked the fittest anyway. But, you know, I, know, I understand some players have, you know, there's a certain... 
certain shape they've got and you know that's just just the way they are and and let's be honest for the first three months of the season he he did look a class above I thought you know you can you can tell sometimes the players played at a higher level and I, you could certainly tell that with him and I, we've seen it in interviews I think Richie and the other players have mentioned I mean I think they call him something like Michael Flatley or something because like, <laughs> his feet are so you know quick around the ball and the skill he's got and stuff so yeah you can see that I mean he doesn't lose the ball once when he's got the ball Unless he sort of just, it's an obvious part, you may know, but when he's got it, he doesn't really get tackled that much, I've yeah. noticed. He's always managing to hold on to the ball, which is, he's a very good trait, you know, I'm not, certainly not comparing him, but, you know, Paul Scholes, you know, whenever he had it, he never really got tackled that much. It was just a misplaced pass or something. And, and that's what Moncur was doing in abundance on Saturday, which I think was one of the main reasons Richie was doing his pieces, because, you know, he, he just seemed to be doing it so much. And I'll, I'll be honest, I thought he was going to go at half time. I mean, he gave him, you know, five minutes in the second half, but, didn't seem to improve that much, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's strange because I say like you wouldn't think like the op he had, you wouldn't think it would have caused him so much problem. But maybe it's it's purely match fitness because the problem he's got is he's not really playing. He, he doesn't seem to have lasted more than 60, 70 minutes all season. Really, I think even at the start of the season when he was playing more um, before his injury, he didn't tend to play ninety minutes. He always seemed to be subbed and. You know, it seems to be getting less and less actually the time he's playing at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he can sort of get back to, to the level he was at and, and maybe even complete 90 minutes, it'd be great. But, I mean, I, I do rate him. He's a very good player and, and maybe one of these that might prosper at a higher level maybe when we, when we go up next yeah. season. He's just not having an impact at the moment, is he? That's the thing. He's, he, he did one back heel on Saturday, which was really good. Like, that was that kind of split a couple of players apart, set off on a little attack. As you say, Rich, lots of twinkle toes on the edge of the box. But we're not getting him in those situations where he can cause a difference. And I don't know if that's the style of the game on Saturday or as it's been or whether that's George Moncur not being in the right place at the right time. Do you know, it's interesting you say that because what, what he was really effective at at the start of the season was bursting through yeah. gaps yeah. and he would find space. Yeah. He's, listen, he's never going to be a player that's going to sprint back 25 yards, yeah. win you the ball and then, and then start an attack. That's not his game. His game's about finding space. Yeah. But the amount of times the ball would go out wide, he'd burst through and he'd make that run in between the midfield and defence and split the defence and he's just not doing that. He's not having that impact. He almost seems to have lost five yards of pace. Um, and... Dare I say it, and you know, we've caveated by saying what a good player he is. He looks a bit overweight to me. Yep. You know, he has got that body shape where he's, you know, he's, he's, he's back what they would define as barrel chested. But I do think he looks a little bit overweight and he does look a bit unfit. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's affecting his mobility. I, I was chatting to someone who's sitting next to me at the game on Saturday, and, and we, you know, the one thing with Richie is he's, you can sort of almost call with subs, you know, they're very like for like each time. And it generally tends to be Moncur off Soteria one or the other way around. Um, but I think the issue with the, possibly with the pair of them is that they, they're both, for me, they both seem to play, play better when they're off the bench. I think Sotiru, when he starts, doesn't seem to come into the game that much. And where, when he comes on, as, as you know, he did on Saturday, I thought he was brilliant when he came on on Saturday. Um, and the, the occasions that Moncur has come on, I know he's normally been a starter, but I actually think he's looked better coming on because... You know, maybe everyone's knackered and that's the level he's at already when he's coming on or something. But, you know, he, he's able to sort of... It seems when the other players on the opposition are tired, he's, maybe that's at the fittest level he's got at the moment, possibly, is where he's, he can excel a bit more in that level. So I think the issue we've got there is that the two of them, neither of them seem to quite be the, the right one to start. But when they come on, 
I think you know that they're going to have an impact. And, and you know, it's always good to have players that, that come off the bench and can change games like that. With that in mind, I mean, what do, you, what do we do with him then? You know, I mean, he's got to be one of our highest earners. Um, listen, I'm, I'm not saying we need to get rid of him or anything else like that. But do we think, does he need a little bit of time on the bench to, to maybe regain fitness? Does he need a, a, a mid-season, pre-season almost, Simon? Yeah, I feel like we're in a, in a luxury position in that we can kind of give him this season to get fit and like get his footballing boots back and like just but play games because he wasn't playing, was he, for a, a long time. He's come to Orient now. He's playing pretty much every game. He, got, he had that horror, he had that uh, operation, like you say, Rich, which clearly affected him. Um, I do think he has been unwell as well. He's I been think unwell, he's had like, yeah. the, 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 the flu that's been going around and stuff like that because obviously Satiri was out of it yeah. as well. So. But we're in a luxury position. We can let him not play that great because at the moment it's not making a difference and we, you know, hopefully it won't make a difference over the next few weeks. So would you leave him in the side then, Si? Um, I don't know. I would ask Richie Wellens what he'd like to do. <laughs> <laughs> you chicken. Tony, coming across to you. Yes, I'd leave him in the side, but I wasn't unhappy when he was taken off because it wasn't happening, was it? I mean, some, he's, yeah, he's a good player, but you don't play well every week, do you? And we've got enough we've got enough good players to come on, so it's not the end of the world if we change it. So. Yeah, it's difficult for him as well, because you know, so, yeah. how do you get fitness without playing the games? Yeah. That's the thing. That's but, right. I mean, it's, this sounds ridiculous, right? Because we're flying high at the top of the division yeah. and we're talking about players yeah. and we don't finger on. I mean, like, he's played a big part this season, like they all have, you know, so... You know, I hope this doesn't come across like we're, you know, because we've got to have something negative to talk about. So we might as well just try and do this. But look, I mean, we all can see that he's not wasn't quite there on Saturday. In the last few matches, he's, he's been unwell, and and probably since the roundabout that start of that Christmas period, he wasn't great. But before that, you know, I think I think the issue more than anything is he hasn't really played many ninety minute matches, and you know, Richie obviously sees that as well. But let's be honest, for, you know, the first sixty minutes he has been playing most of the time has been fairly good. Um, but I think we all just know, maybe it's just the frustration that we know there's a, definitely another level that he can he can reach there. And, you know, we just sort of, if he was at that level, because I said to you actually before, um, Bill, didn't I, that, that I've seen something online that, you know, someone said from an outsider's point of view, or even flying high, they, he was under the impression that George Moncur was playing a big part in the reason we're at there. And, you know, from an Orient fan's perspective, that's probably not the case, to be honest. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I'd probably put six or seven players above George Moncur this season. In, I mean, you know, we've got so many eights and nines and maybe even tens out of tens this year. Um, but, you know, there's probably seven or eight players that I'd say are ahead of Moncur this season. If you look, took the, who you would think would be the regular starting eleven. Um, but that, you know that's not a bad thing because I say that we're you know let's look at the table, look where we are, we're flying. But you know I think it's the fact that he possibly you could call him the most naturally gifted player in that team. And you know there's an argument to be had there that he just sort of needs to step up and, and show that on a more consistent basis, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that maybe maybe you're right, Rich. Maybe we're being harsh because everyone else is playing well or has stepped up this season, is playing above the levels and stuff like that. And so therefore, maybe it stands out a bit more. I mean, I've mentioned it before on the show about Stephen Duke McKenna, and I thought he played excellent when he came on at Northampton. And I thought he did well when he came on for the last few minutes uh, of the game on Saturday as well. I mean, I said before that I think one of his biggest issues with Duke McKenna is the fact that I don't think we quite know where to play him is he one of these players a bit like uh, not that I'm comparing him to but a bit like a Phil Neville where you never quite knew where his best position was was he a central midfield player was he a right back was he a centre half and I think that with Duke McKenna you know is he a right back is he a right wing back is he a right midfielder you know is he a central midfielder could he do that job in the 10 because actually I think he's he, technically he's a very very gifted footballer that's yeah. really clear um, Simon what do you think yeah, do you think I, he I, could possibly step into the 10 I mean I think you give him a run 
Um, maybe not in the next couple of games, but maybe we give him a give him a try in that position. And um, I think he does look again. He's kind of got fast feet as well, hasn't he? And he's and he's got a sharp football brain. He does make an impact every time he's come on. So yeah, I'd love to see him get a bit more minutes. I think Tony. Yeah, I think with I mean it's, it's, it's the old story. You get someone who's quite short, and you tend to think of him as a winger, don't you? Really, and you. As you say, yeah, it might be worth giving a go in a 10 roll and seeing if he can do it there. So, Because yeah. I think the alternative would be to push Paul Smith inside. Mm. But then mm. I like Paul Smith playing out wide because I think he has more of an impact when he plays out wide. I think when he plays in the 10 in the middle of the pitch, he just gets swarmed yeah. and he gets kicked up and down all over the place and people can take it in turns to kick him then. Yeah. And he doesn't whereas, get space, does he? Yeah. yeah, whereas when he's playing out wide, he's usually one-on-one with a player and once that player's got booked, then you know he's going to get that space. Um Rich, what do you think? I mean, I, I do like Duke McKenna. I think he looks... I mean, I, I, once, I will say he came up to the bar afterwards. I didn't realise how small he actually is. <laughs> he's like a child. He's so tiny. I mean, he's having... He's, he was having his, it's about my heart, Rich. Calm down. No, no, honestly, he was having his picture taken with some, like, 12, 13-year-olds and, like, they were about the same size. And But, um, I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen more. I've, you know, I've said it on here a few times that the, the, the rare occasions he had got on... You know, I, I thought he, he really impressed me. So I'm surprised we haven't used him more. And, and in fact, when Martin Ling did his interview the other week and he said the only player we might lose in January is possibly Wareham because of game time. You know, I, I, in my eyes, Duke McKenna's had even less game time than Wareham, really. He's not even had a start, Duke McKenna. So, I mean, I'm really pleased that they said he would be hopefully be staying because, you know, if, I would have thought QPR would be looking at that thinking the same thing that possibly Chelsea were. I mean, I don't know if it's slightly unrealistic for me that they expected Wareham to be playing more than he is to be honest because I think he's even younger and he's he's got no real league experience at all so um, but I mean you know I'm, I'm a big fan of Duke McKenna I think he's and he probably has got a position but it's just I think for for yeah, unfortunately for him here we've just used him in, in the gaps wherever the gaps are I don't think it's the fact that he, he can play in so many positions or you know I think Richie just feels like you know because he's played a couple of games at right right back right wing back and look good He's coming into the middle. I think he was kind of like up on the left side on Saturday when he, and I thought he looked really good there. So he probably does have a natural position. We, we're probably just using him more just wherever we can at the moment, just when, you know, when someone's tired and, you know, we need him to fill in. I think we're just using him for that. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be against giving him a start. I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed whenever I've seen him so far. Talking of being impressed, you, you sort of mentioned him earlier on. Um, I thought Siri was excellent when he came on. It really, really good to see him back in the side and hopefully he stays fit for a period of time now because I think he's someone who could have a big impact upon our end of the season. So, yeah, Simon? definitely. I like. It's nice to see him still engaged as well because you could see. Uh, to be fair, to, I've never, I've not seen him like kind of not be engaged and not like want to come on and make a difference but you've got the impression at times in his Orient career that like he's looking elsewhere We've, you know that's, he seems frustrated thing. doesn't he exactly yeah. yeah but I think the team dynamic at the moment and the squad they're so together that everyone kind of knows their role and he Richie's sold him the, the, the position that like, you're going to come off the bench a bit more this season that's what's going to happen and he's making an impact when he comes on so if he's you know happy to be part of that and clearly he's enjoying his football still that, that, that's all good I mean it's if you're a bit harsh, his two weaknesses are one, that he goes to ground quite easily and two, that he gives away quite a lot of fouls. He didn't do either of those on Saturday. Yep. Probably because I was shouting him, don't foul, don't <laughs> foul. He was, he was over my side on the east side, so I'll take credit for that. But no, he did neither and he retained possession. He did well. 
So good on yeah. you. Simon, just coming back to something that you said there, just then about the fact that the whole team is together. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting was when Theo scored the goal, and by the way, what a strike. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about goals of the decade, yeah. they're all coming from this season, yeah. aside from maybe Blair Turgut's goal um, <laughs> a couple of years ago. But but I mean, it was a, it was a fantastic strike. Um, a great improvisation as well, yeah. you know. But straight as, oh, as soon as he scored he ran straight over to Wellens on the bench you know and everyone went with him and to me that speaks absolute volumes about how together not just the players yeah. are but actually the whole club right now you know because yeah, everyone on the bench got up and, and it was just because it was such a good strike but the reaction afterwards sometimes when a player scores a goal of that ilk they celebrate on their own because mm. it's like I've done this yeah. but it wasn't about that it was like Look what we've done, yeah. you know, over to you. Very so. much so. And it's his, I think it's his first goal in 12, maybe. So he needed that goal. And he said, didn't mm. he, recently he needs a goal. Um, the whole, yeah, you like you say, that you can just feel the togetherness. And I know it's easy to say because we're top of the league, but you can feel it. And he clearly, I think you're probably right that, because um, Richie had a go at him towards the end of the first half, he clearly had a go at him at half time. He went over and they celebrated. It was like, look what I've done. I've just scored one of the goals of my life. I mean, talking of his goal, it, it, he's done it a few times, like that shot from the edge of the box. Like it reminded me a lot of Bristol away last year. His goal outside the box, a bit of an improvised finish. It wasn't the same kind of a shot, but as soon as he hit it, I think everyone thought that's going in. There was no doubt that that wasn't going in the top corner of that goal. Everyone just knew it was a perfect strike, perfectly positioned. The only thing I'd say about that strike, I mean, good on him. I mean, it was lovely to see him. I've got a lot of time for the bloke. Is that that is actually a little bit easier than, than chipping one off the deck. If you've actually got a ball, <laughs> if you have controlled it, if you control the ball and it comes down like that. Sorry, you're it's being... actually a little bit... I wouldn't dream of saying it if Terry Howell was sitting there, to be honest, and he started looking at me. But that's actually a little bit easier, I know. Yeah. Than actually Sorry, taking one off the pitch. Easier. It's a little bit easier than if you've got to take one off the deck. Right, Theo, we need if more ball, from you next the ball, time, ball, mate. The ball, ball drops down like that, but yeah. So it's not quite goal of the season, but it's got to be two, top two or three, isn't it? I mean, uh, You're a harsh taskmaster, <laughs> Mr. Smith. I wouldn't like to play under you, I tell you. Um, Richie, one of, the, uh, one of the things we were saying around where I sit, I mean, I didn't, I never at any point felt worried about us losing that game, certainly. Um, and even though the final ball wasn't great, we've got so many what I would call aces in the deck where players that can just create that little bit of magic, like Theo, you know, like Paul Smith, Moncur when he's playing well, you know, even even like the likes of Soterio off the bench and stuff like that. Um, you know, it just feels like that whilst we're not going to necessarily turn teams over five and six nil and we're not going to get some, a centre forward who's scoring a hat-trick every week, it feels like there's goals coming from all different places in the team and, and at any moment anyone could come up with a strike. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's... That's why at the moment, you know, everyone's saying we need a striker. And but, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not convinced we do. To be honest, I mean, I was probably slightly critical of him at the start of the season. But Charlie Kelman, whenever he plays, I mean, I'd have him over Drinnen. I, I was surprised Kelman didn't actually start on Saturday because you know Drinnen had been off with sickness. And and actually, another thing that surprised me was the fact that um, Richie. I mean, we'll say we'll listen to his interview, but he he kind of bigged up. Drinnen's performance and for me personally I didn't actually think Drinnen's performance was that great um, but I know that Richie's a huge fan so I think he possibly felt that he needed to do that but again Kelman when he came on he wasn't on for long but his, his work rate is, is, is kind of like Aaron Drinnen's was last year to be honest I mean I know people criticised Drinnen a bit last year but he still scored something like 16-17 goals but his work rate was phenomenal and for me Kelman's done that this season without the goals unfortunately but, um, you know, I think when you look at it, we are sharing the goals around and, 
we have, for a team at the top, I mean, I, I, I mentioned it yesterday, I think, that um, somebody had put online post from the last two years, this stage of the season for the last two seasons. So it was Cambridge the year before and Forest Green last season. Um, we're, we're ahead on points of both of them, but we're actually quite a distance behind, especially Forest Green last season, on goals scored. We've, I think it's like 36 we've got, which after 25 games, I suppose when you think about it, it's not actually that much. Um, and I think another thing I saw, we sort of mentioned on the show last week, we, we haven't really, would anyone say hit, what I'd call top form yet, or we haven't, I wouldn't say we've absolutely, we've produced a 90 minute performance and smashed anyone because, you know, we haven't actually really smashed anyone anyway, I don't think, but I still don't think we've actually done a, a proper 90 minute performance. And I sometimes sense that from Richie's interviews that he, you know, it was a great performance. He, you know, I thought the first half we started slow, you know, he always sort of says, you know, he doesn't say, well, you know, the best I've seen us play was Swindon away and we didn't actually win that game. Um, but that was a good sort of 70 minutes, I'd say. We dominated that match and, and unfortunately we still drew it. But, you know, I, I think the goals are going around everywhere at the moment. They are being shared out, but, but you're right. You know, there's so many. We had these players last year, you know, Smith, Archibald, Drin and Soteria. They were still there last year, but the, adding the fact that we've got what I'd like to think now is a, is a much more productive manager than we had before, um, it makes the difference. And, you know, I think that's the good thing is the players, when they do come off the bench, you know, we're bringing on players now that you think to yourself, well, and then this is what I mentioned earlier. Now, the fact that obviously Wareham's gone back today, um, you know, I still felt with him there's possibly, even when, even if, I know he didn't come on that often, but I still thought, you know, he could do something Wareham, I think, or Soterio could do something, or Kelman can do something, Drinnen, whoever was, you know, I think the same with Harry Smith on the bench. He had something different. Because they're all still good players, I think. It's not like, you know, in the old days where we used to bring on someone and you knew he'd be gone by the end of the season and be playing in non-league or something. So, you know, we're bringing on... I think we've 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 built such a good squad this season and strength in depth and, and we've been lucky without the injuries. I know it's hit us now and we're, we're probably going to start seeing it a bit more over the... Well, certainly over the Christmas period we did and, and we're on one game every Saturday now for about five or six games. So that that's good, but gives us a chance to get people back. But, you know, we, I think we can see that the bench is so much stronger... You know, then it last year you were looking at that, especially when we went through that bad run and just thinking there's there's not an option there at all. And we've got that now, and you know we've got players that can turn games, and it's and it's been key keeping people like Paul Smith fit, which which we didn't have last year and, and affected us, I think. And I think I, I mean the biggest difference has got to be the defence. Yep. I mean, you know, like when you look, what is it, 17 clean sheets or something ridiculous like that? That it's in, it's, in, it's incredible, you know, the amount of clean sheets we've we've kept. And actually, I think if you did the comparison with Forest Green last year with the amount they'd kept, it would be, you know, I think we'd be miles ahead of them in that respect. So. I think it's it's interesting because like the fact that um, we had a mate, we didn't have a makeshift. We did have a bit of a makeshift defence. We had Thompson coming in after however many months he hasn't played. Brown coming in, we've never seen him play centre back. We kept a clean sheet. We didn't really, you know, they had a couple of half chances, but it wasn't really, there was no clear-cut chances, really. We didn't look that troubled. The fact that Brown could come in and have a man-of-the-match performance um, just shows, actually, what Richie's been saying all season, is that the defence, it's the whole team. Like, we are scoring as a team, and we're defending as a team. And I think Saturday just sh- proved that, that we can mix it up at the back. And obviously, Beckles and Happy have been brilliant, but... We, we may have got away with it because the whole team is defending. And when we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, when we said, who do we think is the most influential player? He said Vigarou. Yep. He said Lawrence Vigarou, you know. And that's a testament to, to Lawrence, actually, the fact that, you know, that um, Richie is, is so comfortable with putting two centre-halves in that haven't, obviously, we didn't have a lot of options, yep. but obviously putting Tomo in an, an experienced, inexperienced Jordan Brown um, because he trusts that Vigarou is going to be the one who's going to marshal that defence and who's going to talk to them and communicate with them um, effectively. On that note, let's, let's hear from Richie and, uh, and Victor's view as well. 
as a football match, other than Theo's wonder strike, Saturdays is not going to live long in the memory. But I think that when we come to reflect at the end of the campaign, I expect our victory over Doncaster will be considered to be a very significant one. Having gone three without a win, 350 minutes without scoring, and having sustained a defeat against one of our closest rivals for the race for promotion, losing three central defenders in the process, it was so important that we marked our return to Brisbane Road with a precious win. Under Richie Wellens, our game management has been exceptional. His tactical understanding and knowledge of the strength and abilities of his squad ensures that Richie gets the most of each and every member. Only one central defender available to him and the way in which Wellens set up his side impressive. His change of formation during the game inspired. A lot has been made about how disappointing the last January transfer window was. But in Jordan Brown, we definitely have a very special player. The former Derby youngster again showed his flexibility, professionalism and skill. A midfielder by trade, Brown has been remarkable at right back and against Doncaster, he was my man of the match. Commanding performance in the centre of the rear guard. It was a close call Theo Archibald back to his inspirational best also demonstrating flexibility starting the match on the right wing finishing it as the overlapping left back the faithful have seen so many special goals in this campaign there will be an incredible competition for the goal of the season award but I would suggest at this stage the winner could be one of two scored against Doncaster Rovers the first touch the spectacular overhead kick from Paul Smith in South Yorkshire was worthy of a much higher level so too was the ambition, vision, technique that Theo Archibald produced on Saturday. It was good to catch up with Joby McEnough, who was clearly very impressed with what he saw. A 16th clean sheet, only four goals conceded in E10, almost 700 minutes played at Brisbane Road since we last conceded in the league. These really are very special days. We're back in E10, of course, on Saturday for the visit of Pete Wiles Barrow, who continued to defy the odds. What a result they achieved at the weekend. The Cumbrians coming back from a two-goal deficit at Mansfield to snatch victory. The first win in seven. Barrow won of three clubs on 39 points, just below the automatic promotion places. Only Stevenage, Orient, Carlisle and Northampton have scored more. 11 for Josh Gordon and 11 assists from Ben Whitefield. That's the best in the division. Below the top three in League Two, it's extremely competitive. Just five points separate Carlisle fourth and Tramere 15th, and the two clubs immediately below Rovers have two games in hand. Finally, before kick-off, it was good to be able to celebrate John Jackson. I had the privilege to enjoy so many of his 226 appearances made for the O's back in the 1970s, including 210 consecutive league games in the league. A courageous and talented goalkeeper, John was a key player in a side that reached the semi-finals of the FA Cup, making that superb save in the closing stages against Chelsea for an in Britain, forcing that famous replay at Stamford Bridge. There is no doubt that Johnny Jackson was a true Orient great. Richie, thanks for joining us. Congratulations, a huge result, and I imagine you're very proud of that performance. Yeah, I mean, we've one day to train in terms of our lack of bodies. We've had one day's training. Training yesterday wasn't great. It wasn't great, if I'm being honest. And um, I'll probably take the, the blame for the first half performance because it was a little bit off it. I should have changed shape. We ended up going with a back two because I didn't want to change my two midfield players who have been, been outstanding. Um, I didn't want to change the front three so um, I think second half when we changed and, and played three at the back I think it, it was quite clear in what we're doing I think they played three or four or five times um, 
in the first half because of shape. You know, when you've got tens rolling in and the wing back giving them width, it can cause you problems if you're not sharp in your mind and you don't shift across the pitch quick enough. And I think that was the case. Even though they didn't have many shots on target, they still caused a few problems. And you know what? I spoke to him before the game and usually I'm quite performance orientated, but today I just said, listen, I don't care. I don't care how we play. Get it in areas, put it on them. Um, we just want a result. Sorry to think second half. We went long, we scrapped. And I, against these, I wanted to make the game physical. I wanted to make it ugly. Um, and that's where we just are at the moment. We, we've got players in the last 15 minutes, Drennan outstanding for 90 minutes, his work rate, his effort, the way he held the ball up. Um, but we did, we did win the game with a moment of quality as well. There have been so many special goals this season and Theo's was outstanding. Yeah, I mean, he, for me, he gets the goal because his work rate, we asked him to start right wing um, because we thought him coming into pockets could, could cause them problems and pin their back five back. It never materialised. Um, and then obviously second half we asked him to play left wing back. So his attitude is, is fantastic, his work rate, you know, and, he, and Theo's one of them players that you can trust always to do a job. And yet another clean sheet, and with that reorganised defence, that really is a very important thing. Yeah, I mean, I was in two minds. My gut was telling me to change it um, and, and go with three at the back. But then I'm thinking, we've actually got one fit centre-back who's not played for three months. So we're going to play three centre-backs against one centre-forward. And it was just like, we decided to go with with the two centre-backs and keep our full-back narrow to look after our tens. But like I say, when we change it to, to a back three... I thought we overpowered them. We put the balls in areas. I think the majority of the game was was played in a half, second half. Obviously, the last ten minutes of conditions ruined it as a spectacle. And we're just trying to see the game out. Jordan Brown demonstrated his versatility. Very good, excellent right back. Obviously, he's a midfield player by trade, um, and then he goes and does a job like that. I thought he looked really comfortable. Um, but listen, we'll get to work this week because we're not going to get kidded in having a really good game today. He's really comfortable. No aerial duels. No. I can't remember any, hardly any balls in the box, maybe a corner in the last minute. Um, but there'll be different tests ahead, which means that we can't play Brownie at centre-back. It's been a long time since Adam Thompson started. Again, we wanted to try and attack <coughs> more often than not to protect him and try and, try and get him through the 90 minutes. It was a testament to his um, professionalism, his fitness. You know, when, Whenever Tom was out, you never worry about his fitness in terms of his lung capacity. It's more his sharpness and match practice. So um, he's come through it really well. Um, and I've said all along, he's, he's, he's a diamond of a lad. Um, fantastic for the dressing room and he's come in today and he's done the job. It was an opportunity to see the strength of the squad and Duke McKenna showed a lot of maturity in the closing Yeah, stage. I mean, we wanted to make sure that we, Smudge has had this issue with, with his quad, so we wanted to make sure he was protected a little bit. <coughs> the pitch in the last 15 minutes was heavy so we need to make sure we protect him Duke comes on we want to see a little bit more of him we need to he needs to be switched on a little bit more defensively but when he gets in the final third he's got that chop he's got ability um, so hopefully in the next you know, six, seven weeks we'll, we'll, we'll see him come to the fore Any knocks picked up? Um, no, I mean he'd just be heavy legs Drennan went off with cramp um, so heavy pitch again we've had six six days three games we've had a week now a game and now we can just get back to our schedule now home again Barrow they hit form haven't they it's a terrific yeah. result today to win 2-1 down to come away at Mansfield and win 3-2 um, it doesn't matter again we just need to we've got a points target in mind and I'm out of games that we need to win and I'm out of games that we need to draw to get us where we where we want if you would have offered me five points um, over Christmas with the Stevenage Newport and 
Uh, Northampton game, I would have took five points because I know how difficult it is to play. People, you watch Premier League games when you get when you they play three games in six days, they're running on memory. It's no, there's no quality. So for me today, it was it wasn't about quality. It was about digging in, making sure that we tried to overpower them in the second half and get a result. And I thought we'd done that. How many new faces could there be before the weekend? Um, again, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll, we want to make sure. I, I, I would imagine if we didn't win this game, I would have got pounded. Why we're not getting a centre back in? We don't want to sign people as football club. One that don't want to come for the right reasons, and two that don't fit into the way that we play. So we've got away one today. I'd say we got away with it. I think we deserve to win the game in terms of territory. Um, but it was worth the risk in, in waiting and making sure that we're all on the same lines. Uh, sorry, on, on, on the same same line. And um, we have to make sure that we get the right one. And there's, there's probably three or four that we have the possibility of taking. Um, but for them three or four, we have to wait. There's then four under that that, to be honest, we, we don't really want. And finally, the faithful, they played their part as well. I thought it was a little bit quiet first half, um, but that probably matched the, our performance. It was a little bit flat. Uh, you know, sometimes when you are tired, you can feel a little bit sorry for yourself. But um, I thought second half, it went from being really, really quiet to really, really loud. And I think they understood that it's very rarely that when the ball's bobbling or, or bouncing to my centre-backs or my full-backs, I want them to take a touch and play today. Obviously, we put it in areas. We got loads of long throw, and I think when we got that five or six minutes territory at the start of the second half, it gave us a foothold in the game. Um, and then I think Doncaster was half thinking that, hang on a minute, they've changed shape. We can't play, can't play through this shape. So then you're waiting for them to change and counteract what you've done, and, and that never came. So um, I think in the end, it was pretty not comfortable because you always won nils. But I don't think Viggs has had a shot to shot to to take against a team that have won three and four and they're on a good one Thanks. no you. problem come on then thank you so much to uh, Dave Victor and to Richie Wellens there um, good to hear from them both so um, the only other highlight that we haven't really mentioned is obviously the parakeets I mean we can't we can't not mention them surely um, it, was, it was a bit mad wasn't it um, so you ever seen anything yeah. like it well it was e- it was even more exciting than last year's fox wasn't it yeah. which was very exciting um, I have seen those parakeets before I mean they've been around but I've just never seen them in such big numbers it was, I'm truthful. It was like a tropical storm yeah. they were yeah. swarming around there was one just sitting on the, on the um, the edge of the box wasn't there for like 10 minutes it was an extraordinary scene yeah, so it's very close to Doncaster shirts wasn't it the colour of them as well yeah, wasn't it? yeah. yeah. I mean the only, the only other thing actually Rich the only reason why I got actually a bit worried I thought it might get rained off at one point because it was so heavy yeah. out there the ball started stopping and uh, mm. you know I thought to myself oh this is just going to be our luck you know we've got our noses in front two minutes to go and the referee goes nah sorry lads you're going to have to call it off you know <laughs> Well, I, to be honest with you, I think we, you know, we scored at the exact moment because the second we scored, like the heavens just seemed to open, the parakeets appeared out of nowhere, and like it was just biblical for a little while. But I kind of thought, you know, it, once that goal had gone in, and once that weather, those conditions had turned, you know, no one was going to score after that. So I think that helped us the fact that they weren't going to score. I mean, we were never going to do anything, so it, was, it made it probably slightly easier to hold on. But I just thank God we scored when we did because I really think had it been nil nil and all that had happened, then. But then maybe that wouldn't have happened if it was nil-nil. Maybe it was fair. I don't know. Maybe someone in divine intervention or something. Nice tribute there from uh, Dave for uh, Johnny Jackson as well. Uh, Tony, did you get to see Johnny play? Yes, I was talking about him last week, actually. he was I was a teenage goalkeeper, so he was a bit my hero in those days because um, he, he, 
he was ever-present for five seasons. And I think Viggs is, I think Viggs has managed three now. And I was, I'd say, if you, had to, if you had to talk about his style of keeping, if you like, to a youngster, you'd say that he was, you know, he was a great shot stopper, but for a bloke of his size, probably didn't command his area as well as he might. So there's a bit of a similarity again there with Viggs, really, in terms of the way he played. But um, sadly missed. And people who met him tell me what a lovely bloke he was. Well, unfortunately, I didn't have that privilege. But Yeah. Thoughts and condolences go out to his family. Um, okay, so we'll move on to um, have a little bit of a chat about the transfer window. Obviously, um, Jane Wareham's gone back to Chelsea today. Um, no big surprise, really, Simon? No, not really. So um, didn't really get a chance, did he? He scored those two goals. Was it two goals? Yeah, two goals in Sutton, yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, he hasn't had a chance. It's no surprise. I think everyone's hoping that him going now is that actually maybe someone else is coming in. See, I think he was a bit unlucky against in the Northampton game, if I'm honest. I mean, it wasn't really his sort of game. I mean, it was a lot of physical presence, obviously. Uh, Beckles got sent off. We lost Happy at the start of the game as well. I mean, it was just one of those games to forget, wasn't it, really, uh, Tony? Yeah, I mean, I was I was there the night the you know, he came as a new player in for in, in the Sutton game and scored those two goals. We thought, oh, we've got something here. But he probably suffered from the fact that we got one or two players who were quite similar to him, really. And he didn't get the nod and we were, yeah, he didn't get in and we were winning. So he didn't get in because we were winning and it was a bit of a vicious circle for him. But um, there we go. There's a, um, I suspect he wasn't on too much. I don't know about if it's a freeness I mean, of I salary yeah. constraints or whatever. I, but I would, I would imagine Chelsea have paid his wages, I would think. Yeah. Um, I mean, although they haven't said that out of their plan, he might get in their first team on Saturday, <laughs> you never know. So, uh, um, Rich, just coming across to you, Simon mentioned that hopefully there's someone in and um, I, I put on the WhatsApp group earlier on that uh, maybe it means there's an imminent signing. But... Um, Maybe it just means that actually Harry Smith has um, done what Wellens has asked him to do, proven his fitness, and uh, maybe he'll be coming back into the squad on Saturday. What do you reckon? I'd like to think so, but no, I don't think we'll see Harry. I've just a gut feeling I don't think we'll see Harry Smith again this season or, or at all. I, I, I just think potentially, you know, there's after the way he left last time, maybe possibly, and I, I know Richie it doesn't fancy him, but I just don't think he fits into what we want to do and I know you mentioned certain games like Wimbledon and Newport where he would have been useful but you know we're only going to have a handful of them and I don't think that's going to do Harry Smith any good um, God, sorry I, I think he, what Richie said after the Swindon game well, I think Harry got caught for an hour at the end he was a bit disappointed that the team suddenly started playing differently just because Harry Smith would come up front yeah exactly that, yeah. it wasn't so much Harry's fault you know but the fact that you've got a big guy up there they started pinging him from long and Richie don't like that and well you know he's doing alright isn't he so yeah and I think as well you know we, we do need to get someone else in up front um, but you know I'm, I'm of the opinion and I said it last week that you know if you're if you're old enough you're good enough because you know Nublay last year scarred me for life so you know if that's experience <laughs> I'd rather just go with someone who's never kicked the ball in their life to be honest so um, I, you know I think it just depends someone who's maybe got a bit of a track record or someone at youth level or whatever I'll be happy with anything but just you know, someone with potential will do me, really. Did you? Who is it that's created that, one, Frank, isn't it? Who, who is it that's created that Frank Nublay song, by the way? About the, uh, I can't even remember the tune, how it goes. Rich, can you remember it? I've got to have a look now. Right, Rich is going to have a look now. Someone's created a brilliant trend, um, Frank Nublay song about uh, if you're stuck on transfer deadline day. Um, <laughs> oh, that's it. If you find yourself <laughs> in times of trouble, <laughs> that's the one. I'm not going to sing the rest because I don't want to get rid of all the listeners. Anyway, right. Uh, Simon, any other players? Are you surprised that we haven't brought anyone in? at the moment in the transfer window I'm not surprised because I think as we know the transfer committee take their time 
And do you know what? Again, I've, this is the second time I've said it. We've got the luxury of that this season. Um, I don't think there's any desperate need to get someone in. Centre off? It'd be good to get, apart from centre off, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, in a, in a striker, I agree with you, Rich. I don't think there's a desperate need to get anyone in up top. Richie, you mentioned earlier on about some rumours about a Millwall potential centre off. Yeah, I, I was only online because Martin Ling said in, the, in his interview on the uh, the Football League show on Saturday that one of the one player had 15 minutes on Saturday, and I think the detectives on Twitter went to work and found out. Is it? I think it was. Is it George Evans? Was his name? Played 15 minutes off the bench for Millwall um, when he came on. So, and he's a centre half, and he's 28, and he fits with possibly what we want to do. Um, and I think from what Martin Ling said, possibly the other player we were looking at wasn't playing until the Sunday. Um, but I think, you know, he sort of stressed that the fact that it's FA Cup weekend and they haven't played many league games, but, you know, because it's early stages of the Cup for these teams, they're, they're probably including them in their squads a bit. And, and if certainly if some of them have gone out now, which I think Mill did, you know, there's something to be done there this week. And But someone like that, I wouldn't imagine would come too cheap. He's, you know, if it is safe, I mean, where, I mean, I could be well out if it is him because, you know, from what I can see, I'm sure Derby paid a seven-figure fee for him once or something. So he's not going to be cheap at... Um, at uh, Millwall and you know Richie Wellens already mentioned about the fact that Macaulay Bomb was on a very good wage at QPR and on last week's show we were speculating as to just how much that could be um, and he kind of almost said look we, we can't get anywhere near that so you know I wouldn't thought there'd be a big difference between the wages of the two so for potentially for me I'm not sure it will be someone with that much pedigree but you know who knows I mean I'd be happy with someone like Alex Mitchell back I'm, mm. I know he's at St Johnston but I, I thought he was phenomenal last year and but if we can get someone like that in that, that would certainly do me because you know, they probably will get some game time over the next couple of months, but maybe when Beckles will come back and Ogie will be back, it may not be as much as, as they sort of thought originally they'd get. So Beckles is missing the next two games, isn't he? So it, it, the thought of going to Stevenage without another centre-half is not great. So you, I'd be very surprised if we don't get someone in the next 10 days. I think it's interesting you mention about Millwall because obviously we've got that link there. You know, yeah. you know, we obviously we had Alex Mitchell on loan from Millwall last uh, season. So um, although having said that, that might have been because of Kenny Jacket. Um, so <laughs> one of the only things he did right. Um, so, but, but, you know, m- maybe we still have got that link there that potentially it could, it could be someone from Millwall. But, um, we shall see. We shall see. Um, anyway, another news article that was uh, that came apparent this week was that there are rumours that um, um, Nkrumah could potentially going to either Middlesbrough or West Brom. Um, what do we make of that, Tony? Well, I know sort of trawling through the social media stuff, there was a lot of people who were actually quite surprised that um, teams would come in who were that high. But he, the one time I saw him play 90 minutes was in the youth club over over at Chelsea, um, autumn of last year. And he was able to play quite competently and capably against Chelsea's youth team, who were full of, you know, your million pound stars or whatever. So good teams are going to see good uh, going to see good things about him. I think people are tending to judge him on maybe a half an hour in the pre-season friendly against a non-league team, which which isn't going to be what a team like Middlesbrough are going to, going to judge a player. Yeah. Simon, what do you make of the rumours? Well, I think everyone's just happy it wasn't people looking at Paul Smith to come and take him away to Middlesbrough, to be honest with you. So that's what I make of the rumours. I'm happy that it's they were looking at Nkrumah instead. I, don't, I haven't seen him enough to know, and I'm not skilled enough at looking at youth footballers to see if they can 
make the leap. But clearly, he's got something. And, um, you know, it's all good for us, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, I think I, suppose, I mean, it's good publicity for us. And obviously, it's another uh, person out of our youth team that's, that's sort of obviously clearly making making waves. Um, Rich, I know you're a big fan of him. Um, we've we've had a discussion because I've said that I'm, I'm not convinced as yet. And look, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll go on to prove me wrong. And I'm sure he'll go on to have a great career. But um, I mean, I'm thinking about the likes of Moses Odubaju who came out of the youth team and Stephen Alzate. And to me, the... As soon as I saw them, you could really tell there was a player in there. Um, and I don't see Nkrumah being as good as they were at, 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 their, at his age as he is now, at they were. Yeah, the only thing I'd say to that, though, is that I think you only saw it with those when they, when they, were start, they started games in circum... You know, Adebayo came in and they started him from right back and he scored a screamer. Alzate came in because we literally had no one else that left to play and we had to play our youth team. You know, and Krumah hasn't had any of that. You know, he's not, I don't think he's even had, he's not had a start, has he, as far as I'm aware. Um, he may have started in one of the, I've forgotten the name of the trophy again, the LDV, whoever it is. But he may have started a game in there. But, I mean, I saw him in a pre-season friendly, not pre-season gone, the one before, and I was very impressed with him. Um, and I remember thinking, we, I think we might have a player here. I've, I've rarely ever seen him since. Um, and I think, yeah, well, I think... I think he was going to be in Richie's plans this season, actually, but he got that injury at the start of the season or pre-season, and I think that's really set him back. But he's gone to Welling. I mean, he scored his first goal uh, maybe last weekend or in the midweek, I think. Um, but clearly, you know, whether it's... I assume it's because while, what the seven or eight games he's played there that, you know, Middlesbrough and West Brom have somehow... I mean, that's a long way to go to scout Welling or something, but, you know, have seen him there possibly because, you know, no one would have really seen him this season unless it's literally reports from last season when he did, you know, he was very impressive because I know Richie was certainly impressed with him as well. So, um, but, you know... I say, like I said, when I saw it, Middles were linked to Orient, and I thought, oh, well, no, here we go, Paul Smith's off in January. So I don't want to sound bad, but I, there was a wave of relief when I saw it was Dan Nkrumah. But for him, I'd be really pleased because it'd be a great move for him. You know, he'd only go into the youth setup anyway. You know, I doubt very much he'd, he'd be getting any sort of game time at all in a championship this season. But, you know, it shows, you know, a, he's doing really well. And, and, and again, the setup's doing really well at the O's. Just on that, who would you, uh, gents, say is the best uh, player you've seen come out of the youth team? Uh, it's an in- it's, a, it's a big question. I've written, I mean, the two names I wrote down were uh, Chris Bart Williams, um, and for me, uh, Lee Shearer. I thought, honestly, on his debut, I thought he was unbelievable, and I thought he was going to be, inc- I thought he was going to be a brilliant centre half. And obviously, it went wrong for Lee and what have you. I think there was some off the field issues and stuff. Um, Simon, uh, well, to be honest with you, the more recently, I just think. Dan Hap could go all the way. I think he's he's can be he's just got better the more he's played. I think he can. Um, I thought I think he would be a championship player if not not better. He's just everyone said it about him. He's the the better that the better the team is around him, the better he's going to be. The higher he gets up, the better player he's going to be. I think he is going to he could go all the way. I mean, for me, I mean, I loved Adrian Whitbread when he came through. I thought he was phenomenal. But, I mean, hands down for me, it would be Steve Castle that came through the youth team. I mean, even now, I think Orient fans, they still talk about, whenever they talk about a midfielder, he's the, you know, we need someone like Steve Castle, you know, 18 goals a season and just literally would go into absolutely like anything, any challenge. I mean, 
I, I think Steve Castle's mentioned on every show. Yeah, I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, mainly by me as well, I think, yeah. So, But yeah, I mean, those two for me really stood out. But you're right about Chris Bart Williams, actually. He's, mm-hmm. he's probably one that a lot of people would, because he was 16, 17 when he left, I think, didn't mm-hmm. he, for Sheffield Wednesday. You'd only, he was only here a year. Um, played, I mean, He played Tony, very well in a game against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, Tony off, can yes. probably go back further than me and think of some good players. Well, well. yeah. Um, it's the one here, I think if I can have my one note of nostalgia of probably my, my time on here and just say Lloyd Cunningham, because yeah. I'm old enough to remember. Him. My dad would say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's he's a, he was so exceptional at times. It was almost difficult to describe. But I mean, he was he was eighteen years old and ended up playing him centre forward in what was then the second tier against some very hard men. He was still he was strong enough. Maybe well Dan and Crew will have a statue one day. Why not? There you I go. Maybe. You know, and, 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 do you know what? And hopefully can, he does. Yeah, hopefully I can tell does. the I can tell the Danish tourists all about him. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, okay, so we've just got about a minute and a half left of the show. Um, we played Barrow on Saturday. Um, Barrow are in sixth place on thirty nine points, and they're on a well. I was about to say they're on a bad run of form. They've only run. They've only won one in six. Uh, however, that that victory was a three two win away at Mansfield, and that was in uh, on Saturday. And they were two 0 down in that game. So, uh, Simon, potentially we're playing against someone who uh, would be looking for the playoffs. Yeah, and I think um, it will probably be another hard fought game. I think uh, if this was September, I'd be saying I think we'll be, it'll be good to get a draw. I think we should win, and I think it should be all right. To be honest with you, I think we're going to win. Yeah, I remember last Phil Brown was still their manager last last year. They came. That was very entertaining. You know, he was a, he was a laugh a minute then. At that time, wasn't he? But um, no, they they've got a new man in, and they're doing better this season. You know, bit a bit like the same as us, really. But um, they're a strange team because they, they, I believe they trained in Manchester all week because that's that's where the footballers are. And Barrow's sort of out on the coast somewhere, and they all get and they all get together and they get a bit of team spirit going from that. And um, they always they tend to provide a fairly decent test early on but we managed to get on top of them second half last year and hopefully that'll be the case again this year yeah and I think I mean I think it'll be interesting to see what Richie's team selection is whether he sticks with the same 11 um, I think I'd only make one change and I think that would be to probably take George Moncur out and um, and give someone else a run in the side okay alright thank you so much chaps thank you Simon cheers mate thank you Tony thank you and thank you Rich for doing the buttons no worries mate take care everybody have a good evening safe journey and we'll see you Saturday we're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an orient from each end like an Orient from Eton This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 Clans and Orient and so begun The old story we lay an Orient from Eton Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We lay an Orient from Eton 
like an Orient from ten. This is our club and we are proud. So sing it up and sing it loud. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. So you know where we can be found when Saturday comes again. We'll be trying to do our best to cheer all those on who wear the vest. Whatever challenge, whatever test, we'll lay an Orient from each end. Lay an Orient from On the hour across Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix FM News.